0: How can a human being, a sinful human being at that, be a child of a loving God, the God that rules and reigns, that that has all power, that has all knowledge? You know, it's just, it's this elevation really of self, but the thing about it is it's true. For those who accept Christ, we are a child of God, and he's a good, good father, and he loves us in ways that we can't even understand, but to stand humble with that knowledge. Wow, great great songs to start out with today, because today we're, we're actually going to go into some shark-infested waters and some challenging areas. We're going to wander into a politically correct classroom. And so as we do that, uh, it says, let your good deeds shine out so that everyone can praise our Heavenly Father. We're... we're we're, we're again going into shark infested waters. We're going to go into the uh, schoolroom today. But as we do it, we remind ourselves that there's good news. As we go into the schools today, we're going to remind ourselves that there's a light that shines. When we talk about parents, when we talk about schools, when we talk about classrooms, teachers can be lights in darkness, students can be lights in darkness. Parents can be lights in darkness, and that's our main thrust for today, is is to see the lights that shine so our Heavenly Father will be glorified. And, and we do that by not copying the customs and behavior of this world. There's two definitely different approaches and ways of looking at the world and conducting ourselves. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Let God transform our mind into a new person. We've been using this verse actually every week in this politically incorrect series so we know what God's will is and God's will is what's good what's what's really pleasing and what's perfect to us so that's where we're going today Uh, I'm excited about this this is one of those topics that uh, is challenging but there are answers join me in prayer please Heavenly Father we I personally want to stop Thank you for being God. Thank you for this great country. Thank you for for parents, for teachers, for students who seek you, and for all of us. Just can our hearts be open to hear your voice today, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. But today we're gonna we're gonna compare a, a politically correct classroom and a biblically correct classroom. A politically correct classroom conforms to the beliefs and languages of practices that might offend uh, the political sensibilities whether it's sex race or uh, income anything else that's politically correct they take all the offense out of it biblically correct is we're going to speak uh, and and live the truth as defined by the bible so our our guide in this is not going to be a, a news commentator it's not going to be any of that the guide will be the bible that we're going to be using politically correct why are schools so important? It, it starts up in a very interesting quotes coming from different people. First, Abraham Lincoln told us that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next, Abraham Lincoln. Now, next on the list is not such an esteemed person, uh, Vladimir Lenin, who killed millions, tens of millions, of people in Russia as he instituted and carried on the uh, Russian Revolution and Communism. Give me four years to teach the children and and the seed I've sown will never be uprooted. for those who know, as old as I am, Communism almost took over the world in my lifetime. Moved rapidly through countries and finally God says if you train up a child the way he should go when he's old, he will not depart from it. Do you know that actually reinforces the other two statements? How we raise our kids, how we condition our kids, how we train our kids, will define the rest of their lives. Even even Adolf Hitler said, you know, the Nazi youth groups that were there that they started in 1933 had really basically taken. Excuse me, 1926. Uh, by the time he came to power and they started the war. That was the machine that made it all happen was his youth groups. So, again, train up a child. The information that students receive during those critical foundational years will set their worldview, their values, their morals, their behavior, the way they think. Let me say that again. The information that students in the school system between 13 and 20 years old where they receive over 30 hours a week plus homework, those will become the foundation of their worldview, their values, their morals, their behaviors, and the way they think. This critical period of education that takes place tells us the schools are important. Now, simple truth is, it's how it's worked in the last 56 years 56 graduating classes that have moved through our school systems the philosophy of the classroom in one generation has moved up the philosophy of the school one generation will become where it's the philosophy of the newsroom and the information sources because as people graduate from high school they go get jobs one of the jobs that's most sought after right now are those people who get into the news industry, the information industry. So if someone graduates from school, they move into providing news and information to the general public that's there. So they give their situation as they go forward. So these graduates will tell us what they think. So that generation that controls the news, the history, the information sources in the next. Uh, currently there's some statistics that that come up 7% of the journalists uh, nationally are politically conservative. 96% in Washington D.C. journalists are political progressives or liberals. Oh guess what? <laughs> the news that we hear is influenced and spun if I can use that term uh by one specific if you will political uh, ideology that's here. But once the, the school graduates, they control the news, the information sources in our nation, their philosophy will be transferred on to the government because the information services and the news services are the major influences in informing voters. So their information and their spin will elect the government. And then the government will control and establish and mandate philosophies that are taught in the classrooms. So the cycle starts. You, you, you get into the classrooms, you, you, you change the philosophy. They grow up, they control the news media, the teaching media, the academic communities. And then their philosophy supports and elects the government, which now defines it. So, what does that mean to us in practical terms? What is the philosophy? of the of our government that's moved in the control of our country let's talk about some Supreme Court decisions this is these are government decisions by the Supreme Court of the United States uh, in, in 1962 prayer was removed from the schools because of one student didn't or their one student's mother didn't want him to have to listen to a prayer uh, Roe v. Wade, 1973, removed the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to unborn children by allowing a death sentence to be carried out on unborn children without due process of law. And again, denying the biblical truth that God creates life in the womb. In 1980, the Ten Commandments were removed. I always enjoy the Supreme Court ruling on that. I think of the school situation we have The reason one of the justices said the Ten Commandments were removed is because students might see them. They might read them, and they might do them. Heaven forbid. So they kick them out. Uh, 1963, Bible reading was banned. Most people uh, my age understand that before the 1960s, many of the school systems... Uh, inside of our country, we're still using biblical material as the teaching basis in the classrooms. And so that that was now taken out and Bible reading was banned. Uh, in 1987, uh, banned the teaching of science that would support the biblical account of creation. Even though, and we'll talk about this later, there's significant evidence to point to a creator They wouldn't even allow that information to be discussed inside of the schools. Supreme Court banned it. Uh, The next one, it just goes on. uh, 1989, nativity scenes were removed. Of course we wouldn't want that. And again, very recently, our lifetime, 2015, the biblical definition of family was removed from the law books, allowing states to sanction same-sex marriage. Now, each one of these things, oh, by the way, is, a, is establishing a religion inside of our schools. They're all, they're all illegal, by the way, by the, by the Constitution, but they still did that. A religion has been established. We just had a class. I, we're doing a class on these kind of topics on the morning, 9 o'clock, Sunday school class. And uh, the, the comment that we had, well, what should we have done? And I won't go through all of this. We should impeach the Supreme Court so but we didn't so it's the schools have now established a religion that they teach the wall of separation that we first understood and talked about the first message in this series tells us that congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or the prohibiting the free speech thereof what has happened in since uh, actually the 1960s is this, is that the government does dictate what's taught inside the school system. They do establish, if you will, a religion. The church is not allowed to speak back. Huge deal. This is what pictures, and I I won't ask for a show of hands, but most people, in my opinion, because I believed this was the case. I believed this was the situation until well into my Christian walk. I thought I couldn't talk about the government. I thought that I was banned from doing that. And that uh, if I ever did that, the church would lose its tax-exempt status. You would all become Methodist or Baptist or something else, and and that would take place. But that's not the truth. That's not what the Constitution says. And so, uh, a couple weeks ago, we we looked at the actual letters where the concept, the truth of a a wall of separation came from. It comes from the uh, the Dansbury Baptist wrote. A letter to Thomas Jefferson, and was concerned about the establishment of religion. He wrote back his response, and I just encourage. You, I had not seriously studied that. Most people haven't. If you haven't, the website is is on your uh, is in your bulletin. Also, on the back table is a copy of that letter so you can read both letters and please as you read them look and see where the separation is the separation is that the government can't mess with the church the church is free speech in a peaceable assembly most of these are assemblies are peaceable that we have here unless we run out of donuts or something But but that's what we have and so we can talk about the government we can bring our grievances to the government we could do all of those things. So what's, what's happened inside of our country is a religion has been established. And Thomas Jefferson, oh, by the way, uh, after he finished writing that letter back to him, he walks down the street and goes to a church service in the House of Representatives. I could go on. The first act that the Congress ever did was buy Bibles for the Indians. It just goes on and on and on, our support of, of God in it. But... We're told that the uh, the government cannot institute a religious system, attitude, beliefs, or practices. That's what a religion is. But now, we have established one. And just, you know, again, I'm always open for pushback, come talk. But the the truth is that the religion that has been established has been atheism or humanism in the schools. Here's the tenets of a religion. A religion defines, is there a God or is there no God? They have defined an atheistic approach that God can be ordered out of the school and command. He is not a supernatural force. The government is a supernatural force. Where did our physical reality and organic life come from? Was it created or was it a natural process? Every religion in the world establishes the source of the physical universe and life itself and so does the humanistic approach that says it was a natural process without God who defines truth well does God Does science or does each person individually these are all religious tenets and statements doctrinal statements who what defines morality and acceptable behavior God the government or each person what happens after life atheist humanist nothing I, last night, you'll be happy that I won't do it today. I sang, The Worms Crawl In and the Worms Crawl Out. Uh, <laughs> Saturday nights, well, I don't know, they're wonderful people and gracious. Uh, but, or is there a judgment by God? Is there an afterlife? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? These are religious statements. And, and, and talk to our children. So uh, human nature, are we... Uh, neutral? Or are we involving? In are we sinners that need a savior? What is proper sexual expression and procreation? Is it human sex drive only that controls that? Or does God have something to say about it? These are religious tenets that have been taught inside of our school system, establishing the religion of humanism inside of the schools. They have established a religion. Please, uh, read the letters, look at all the information. If you disagree, come in and talk, what's taken place inside of our school system. Uh, but what's the result of modern education and these changes that have taken place over the last 56 years? Just uh, a quick review, most of us know it. Starting in 1980, the United States was number one in the world in education, math, and science. In 2009, we ranked 18 out of 36. In 2016, we're 31st in, in math, excuse me, science, math, and reading. In science, Skavovia beat us out. I always wonder about that. Most, I don't even know, I, geography's not because I don't know where that is. But how did that happen? This is the result of what's taking place. The educational philosophy in the schools changed from academic training to socialization. In other words, it was more important to have our students happy and thinking right about themselves than to have them educated and can add two plus two. John Dewey opened the door into the public school system 100 years ago and allowed our kids to be guinea pigs to various educational approaches, social indoctrinations, and conditioning they were introduced new math was introduced uh, social education more important than academic education it's more important that a student understands how to get an answer than to get a right answer and it's more important how a student feels about themselves a high personal self-image rather than an accurate self-image uh, and again personal autonomy personal freedom uh the, you know, rules over the rights of the others. The opposite of, of Mr. Spock, if you're familiar with it. Uh, the needs of the one in our culture now outweighs the needs of the many. We do our own thing. And, of course, uh, discipline and control was replaced by personal rights of the students. Again, the results we find in the educational process that we have in front of us. Not only the educational process, but also discipline and control in the classrooms. Most schools have armed police on campus now. Ask a teacher, what's the situation on discipline inside of a classroom and inside the school? What's the safety that's there, whether it's school shootings, bullying, or drug use? All that said, we need to get solution-oriented. And so for the rest of the time, we're going to talk about the hope of the school system, the hope of the next generation that's being educated, and and we're going to talk about, again, as I said up front, lights that shine in darkness. Lights that come in and change the situation. There are followers of Jesus Christ who become lights and bring glory to God. And we're all told to be part of that, work out our salvation, uh, obeying God with reverence and fear. He's working in us to give us the desire and the power to do what He wants. But look at this. As Christ's followers in this world, we should do everything without complaining and arguing. No one can criticize. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Shining as bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. You know, one of the most challenging things in our culture today is to live Christ in this culture. But people do. I'm going to start with one of the greatest sources of light and encouragement to me, our teachers. We have numbers of teachers inside of our church that have worked and are working in the the school system that's over there. They love God. They understand the, the desire that they're submissive to the government. They're submissive to the rules. They have to work inside of those. But they understand also that they have a higher purpose. They have to listen to God. We have to, they have to follow him inside of their lives and, and their activities inside the school system. How do they do that? We have a lot of them. If you get a chance, thank them. Even at school, just any time you get a chance, thank them for moving in that environment. Lights in the darkness. But there's, there's also other lights that are there. Uh, there's heroic Christian parents parents who do go against the flow who do get involved you know the main part of the story we started last week with politically correct families parents who take responsibility for the education of their kids too often parents just turn the kids over to the public school system and say you educate them and if you do that they're going to get an education they're going to get a philosophy and they're going to get a religion as diligent parents, understand that, that you're responsible. I was responsible for my kids. And, and you're responsible for your kids as they grow up. And we don't need to compare ourselves with anyone else. God will look at our work. God will look at our motives. He will will hold us accountable and give us the opportunity. And we're talking about all parents, traditional families, uh of a husband, wife, biological children, adoptive parents, single parents, grandparents or other relatives, raising children, step-parents, foster parents. Parents are the ultimate, they are the ultimately responsible. I look around Crossroads and I see great parents. Parents who are laying their lives down, who are disciplined, teaching, and living their lives out in in front of their kids in such a way that God's honored. They're raising their kids in the right path. You know, it's uh, the godly walk with integrity. Listen, and blessed are their children who follow them. Be godly. Walk in integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. Teach them the Bible. You know, we live by the Bible. Follow the Bible. Be involved yourself. Let them see that you're a student, a learner of the Bible, that you're seeking Christ with all of your life and the knowledge that goes with it. Teach them the truth, and the truth is your kids are in the middle of a spiritual war between the spiritual forces of darkness and evil in this world and the forces of God and good that's there. So much is out there to mask them, to hide the good news from them. you know uh, this this next next let's go to the next slide. yeah, there it is. If the good news that we preach is hidden, Paul says, it's hidden behind a veil from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, who controls the systems of this world, has so much power. He is the God of this world, and he'll blind your kids. He'll keep them from the truth. Their minds will be blinded who don't believe. They won't be able to see God's light. The devil's trying to devour our children. In 2018, this is spiritual warfare. You you see it all around that's going on. Political parties, they're not the enemy. Teachers unions and and Department of Education, they're not the enemies. The schools and the teachers, they're not the enemies. Satan is moving to destroy our kids. Parents, equip your kids with the truth. You know, uh, it used to be an expression that I I heard years ago that it says, uh, the expression is, we hear that Christianity requires blind faith. So we have to turn our brains off as we walk into a schoolhouse. The the teaching and the understanding now is on the other side. When we walk into schools, we're supposed to turn our brains off and not look at the logical evidence that's presented in front of us. Again, we talked about this the first week. Parents, teach your kids the proof that the Bible is a supernatural book. If you don't teach them that, they won't believe it because they'll never hear it anywhere else. Show them prophecy. Dazzle them with stories of God said this and this happened. Look, this is this is supernatural. Tell them stories of the people in the Bible overcoming and doing different things. Look at the accurate history that the Bible presents. Uh, look at the martyrdom of the disciples and the prophets for the truth that they were there. You know, get. Show them the Bible is true. Give them objective, rational evidence so that when they hear all this other stuff, they know there's a source of truth. Give them rational, objective proof that God creates all that exists. This is the battleground. If we take the information of a creator out, they're only left with random accidents. They now become a very advanced mutation. They may act like that once in a while. Don't take that seriously. But that's all they're going to learn is that they're an accident. There's no grand plan. God didn't specifically design them. Show them the truth. And by the way, I, I said this last night and I, I was reading a book. 1859 is a, a huge year. And I, I encourage you to teach your kids 1859. 1859. In 1859, Charles Darwin released his book, The Origins of the Species, which introduced evolution to to the public. At the same time, 1859, Louis Pasteur proved that spontaneous generation of life, biogenesis from uh, inorganic material, is impossible. So, the same year that his theory was put out, science proved that it was impossible. Your kids just ought to remember, 1859. Just, they can walk into class and go, 1859. Just giving them that kind of information is huge. Look for evidence that does that. And so I, I encourage families. I've got these, by the way. I, I brought two of them. Uh, this is, have you considered look at the evidence? There's another one, inspired evidence. I actually, I, t- I said this last night. I had actually brought this book in because I I'd ordered a case of them. To come in so I could give it to families that wanted to go over it. It's a daily reading. It's very good. And uh, but I got a registered letter from Bakersfield from the hazardous waste material of the post office, and my book was put in mail prison <laughs> because it leaked water, and so they assumed that it was hazardous material. So the books will be here next week. I hope. Uh, pray for my books. That the, the, the postal service will release them, but but talk to your kids about it. You know, go at, one of the one of the fun things and 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 this I was reading September twenty second uh, of one of these books and it was talking about a brain and what our brain is able to do. So I encourage you to sit down with your kids. Kids, gather around. Let me see your cell phone and and show them the cell phone and say, you know, the human brain has over ten billion nerve cells. Oh, and it has 100 billion GIA cells, which are actually biological batteries for brain activity. These cells float in a jellied mass, shifting through information, storing memories, creating uh, what we call consciousness. Over 120 trillion connections tie these cells together. The brain sends out electrical impulses at 300 miles per hour and receives 200,000 responses per second. Each nerve cell is in the center of the body. The brain continuously receives signals from, listen, 137 million light receptors in the eyes, 100,000 hearing receptors in the ears, 3,000 taste bud receptors, 30,000 heat sensors in the skin for heat, and 250,000 for cold sensors, and 500,000 inputs from touch centers. Now, what you do is you tell the kids that, and you give them the phone. You say, now, was this phone created, or was it an accident? Is your brain created and marvelous, or is it a random accident? If they don't believe you, here's what I suggest. You take their cell phone with a hammer, and you beat it into a pope, you put it in a paper bag. You can't use plastic anymore. You put it in a paper bag and ask them to start shaking it. And you say, you've got 6.5 billion years to shake that, and it'll become a phone again, and you can have it. I'm done. But I, I, I know truth. Just teach them objective, rational evidence for the nature of man. Science, psychology, and all those things will say that we're just neutral. Just let them read the news, not the Daily Independent. Let them read international news as to what's going on. And, and, and tell them to look around their classroom also. Objective evidence. Uh, next, objective evidence, rational evidence for, about sexual orientation. And again, this is, this is a sensitive area in our culture today because of some of the things that are happening. Uh, please... Uh, educate them on that. One of the, we are defi- our sexuality is defined at creation, whether we're X Y chromosome, and so when we deny that, we're really telling God he's stupid, that he created us wrong. So just talk to them about that, encourage them. Just stay in their lives in those early years of school, and particularly the damage that's being taken that takes place in sex education. It's criminal what they teach young, impressionable kids. They, they teach them safe sex. Now, I have a safe sex program. It's called abstinence. But they can't teach it. So what's the result? How safe is safe sex taught in the schools? Uh, uh, there's 2.3 million new cases of sexually transmitted diseases every year, primarily between the ages of 15 and 24. 20% of the people have ST sexually transmitted disease. Oh, by the way, uh, 50% of sexually active young people will have a sexually transmitted disease by 25. 20% of high school students today have sexually transmitted diseases. Safe sex is not sa- safe. I encourage the radical alternative of abstinence. Now, teach God what God says about this. He says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. If this is too difficult a concept to Him, I've got a tool for you to use. It's a simple picture. This is a piece of gum on the left, and you open it, and it's a fresh piece of gum that everyone would want to chew, not in class. Everyone would want to chew. Now, on the right is this. You open it up, and it's already been chewed, gurgitated, and sitting inside the wrapper. The question to your kids is, who do you want to be when you get married? And who do you want to marry? Very simple. Very straightforward. Parents, be lights to your kids. You're responsible, and it's fun actually to be able to interact with them. I've got, uh, I know this young man whose dad, whose whose son went into the 16 year old range and was raised in a church and everything. And then at 16, he started asking questions. Well, what about this? What about that? The dad, instead of getting all upset with him, said, I got a deal for you. There's a book by Timothy Keller. It's it's called, it's an invitation to the skeptic. And the dad said, here's what we're going to do. Every week, we're going to go through one chapter of this book that lays out the logical, rational evidence for God. I want you to read it. I'm going to read it. And we're going to talk. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. That dad's doing his job. Go do our jobs. I'm going on. But there's another source of light. we got the teachers. we got the parents. But also students. Very important for students. This is, this is the, really the heart of the issue because that's where we have to get to. Students, let your lights shine in Christ in the school system. Take careful attention to your works. Now here's the hard spot. And it's and it's hard. You walk across the junior highs to boroughs to, to the schools that are across the street, even up to the college there. Only one percent under twenty years old understand biblical Christianity. So you're walking into an environment where your first educational tool to them is your life. I uh I ask students, and it's not I ask student leaders, I ask them all. I said uh, to students particularly, and you sit there and you go, do you know a real Christian? Do you know uh, a Satan-chasing, uh, evil, demon-tail-kicking Christian that lives out his life in your school? That's normally the response I get. No. Oh, maybe. Oh, But that's the response. Well, go be one, to tell her that I love this too. And I do this, to, whenever I get a chance, I tell a high school student or a junior high student, a student, I say, "Do you know how many lives you can change before you leave high school for the good and point them toward Jesus Christ, if you'll live him? It's an opportunity to change your school. Live Christ. And these are challenging, dark times. If you live Christ, live it out. Be the best student you can be, first and foremost. Academically, morally, socially, show love. Honor your mother and your father. Yes, that's there too. Christian students, be lights. Be lights. What's the, what's the takeaway and the, the application? Don't copy the behaviors and attitudes and religions of this world? Let God transform the way we think. Look at the evidence, the information, the proof for the Bible, for creation, for the existence of God, for the morality, the need for morality. and Look at that. Do that. Change the philosophy in the schoolroom so the next generation will be transformed. It took us 56 years and generations to get here. The, the people that was the first class to graduate uh, 56 years ago, that would make them, what, 73, old dudes now. So there's three generations. Let's start turning it around and going the other direction so that we'll graduate students that will be in the information services, that will be in the news services, that will live their lives out in public. You know, the the truth is Abraham Lincoln, Vladimir uh, linen and God's word. Train up a child and when he's old he won't depart from it. And again, teachers, parents, students, walk in Christ. Let be lights. Uh, bring your kids, by the way, to church. It's a church. That's what we're here for. To help you, to partner with you. Uh, you may not be able to hear it but once in a while the curtains shake here and the screen shake. That's your kids that jumping up and down up there. And, but again, youth groups, activities here, uh, do that. It really isn't optional as we do that. You know, one of the things that encourage you to do, if you use public schools, we've got several of our parents in here that are committed to raising their kids and putting them through public schools. But they're not going into it blindly, and they're telling their kids right up front, we're sending you into an area that your faith is going to be challenged. You're going to have questions. Let's talk. Let's get prepared. Put your armor on. Get your act together, because you're going to be going against the flow. But they have made a decision to have their kids be light in that environment. That's one of the options that we have. Be a fully engaged parent as you send your kids into combat. Use homeschools. Use some of the things that are going. I put a list of homeschools. We have a couple of them to meet at Crossroads. But there's several homeschool organizations. One of the teachers of homeschool, I I was talking to her last week, getting ready for this and asking her questions. But here's her statement. And I I like it because it really brings hope. She said the hope for this nation are homeschoolers. A revolution as parents take over parenting once more and bring them to Christ and launch them into the world. That's her philosophy. She's dedicated her life for the last 25 years to doing that. Multiple uh, homeschool opportunities. There's a list of them that are in the back at various ages with phone numbers. There's Christian schools that you can send your kids to. There's, They're out there. We can use them. If that's what God leads you to do, do that. Charter schools. You can use charter schools uh, if, if that's what God leads you to do. But And you can change the system. We can vote in, in, in elections and, and elect the school boards. Again, the, the policies, unfortunately, are directed from on high. But still, the school board's got options and opportunities in in selection, of textbooks and everything else just as sally said in the video so be part of that you know as we go forward change the system as best we can the high school has got has got christian organizations fellowship of christian athletes cross club good news club is going into the elementary schools to be able to bring christ look at opportunities to change the educational system get involved do what you can At any of those levels. Because we really are. Christians are the hope of the world. Functioning and moving as Christ followers. Gathering together. And raising the next generation. Join me in prayer please. Father I thank you that you're God. And we just ask and thank you that you will use us as lights. In this world, let us speak words of truth and love and encouragement to parents, to teachers, to students, that we might change the next generation, that will change the next generation. Thanks that that's your plan. One heart, one generation at a time. And thanks in Christ's name. Amen.